We're going to get into the message today, but I'm going to give you a little bit of a disclaimer. I've done this each week um, because I'm going to give a couple of examples uh, from my own life. And I realize that not everybody has good, fond or happy memories when it comes to the holidays or even for family. And uh, but I but my goal in my heart through this is to help us connect with the spiritual reality that we have a home to go to. And it's not just sticks and bricks and a roof and shingles like there's there's much more to it and it's really a home for our heart and a home for our souls to go to and uh, so if you may be challenged by the examples that I give of maybe family uh, think of it in terms of like going to your best friend's house how many of you know you're pretty comfortable at your friend's houses it's your best friend like people that you're really close with and so uh, maybe use maybe look at it through that lens and so this morning the title of my message is that home is a place to belong uh, you know it, over the last couple of weeks we've been sharing with you different aspects of of what home is and what it can look like and what it can feel like and you know ultimately that is the story of Christmas is that Jesus came so that what so that we could go and have access to the home that God had always intended that we had lost through sin, through the fall of Adam and Eve. We know this from the book of Genesis as the Bible says that they sinned and there was separation between mankind and God. And Jesus came to restore that relationship and ultimately so that we could know God, we could be in relationship with him. And so, you know, but, but I do believe that when we're talking about home, you know, there's some unique attributes and aspects of, of home or being with family or being with friends, being with loved ones uh, during the holidays. And, you know, one of the things is that hopefully, uh, and my prayer would be, is that when we get with family, that we know that we belong there. That we're not like an outcast, but it's a place of belonging. It's a place of comfort and a place of security. You know, this may even, you may be able to connect this even with your own personal home. You know, there's something special about going home, right? You know, there was a, a season of time where me and Dara were uh, really between our own houses. And we lived with my parents, which was, they were awesome. But how many of you know it wasn't home? Like it just wasn't the same thing. Like I didn't have my spot on the couch. I didn't have like certain things that were just mine. Like, you know, and I was in somebody else's space. And even though they never made me feel that way, I definitely knew I was in somebody else's space. And yet when you're home, it's yours, right? There's just this, like I belong here. And, um, you know, and there's something about that. And I believe that on the inside of us, according to scripture, is that there is what we would call like a God-shaped hole. The book of Ecclesiastes says that God has placed eternity or the knowledge of God and that there's more to this life on the inside of every human heart. And we have a longing and we're always looking, right, for that, what, ultimately it's for a place to belong, and we can look to relationships, we can look to family, we can look to our job, we can look to success. We can look to a lot of different things looking just for a place to belong. And I, I can tell you this morning, the only place that you're ever going to find lasting, uh, a lasting uh, understanding of belonging somewhere is in a relationship with God. That's why Jesus came was so that we could have this life, and, and, you know, and I believe that we all have, and let me phrase it the way that I would normally say it is that we all have a knowing that we're, that there's more than just existing. Like there, there's more to this life than just waking up, going to work, going to sleep over and over and over and over again until we hit the magical age of retirement. 
And then nobody quite knows how to define what retirement might look like. And then we just die and it's just over. Like there is more to this life than that. And it's more than just fleeting moments of joy. How many of you realize that? You know, like Christmas morning, like the kids come rushing in, can't wait to, to open up. And it's awesome. And then like a couple of days later, you're like, hey, where's that toy that we bought you? Oh, it's outside in the dirt still. And it got rained on last Right? I mean, it's, a, it, it's just a fleeting moment of joy. And so, you know, so this morning I want to share with you this idea, this thought, and really that's kind of the, the focus is that home is a place to belong. You know, um, many of you may remember this, and it's a bit of an older TV show, but I remember it. Um, and, and it was part of their theme song. And it, the, the song said something like this, everybody wants to go where somebody knows your name. Somebody just said it. Cheers, right? Sometimes you just want to go. And there was a character in this show. Anybody know his name? Norm. Norm. And when Norm would walk in the door, everybody would shout Norm's name. Why? Because he was known. He had a place to go to that it didn't matter what happened outside of there. That when he walked in there, everybody knew him and he knew that he belonged. Everybody knew his name. Everybody recognized him, you know, and he was this interesting character. And, you know, and I believe that they, that they really do touch on something there with that little intro song. Is that sometimes you just want to go where you're known. You just want to know that you belong. You want to know that people know you, that they, they're just glad to see you. Regardless of what may be going on in your life, there's something about being known. And so I believe that every one of us has a desire to truly be known. I think that's why many people have a desire to what? To be married, to have a family, to why? Because some of the most intimate relationships you can have, you know, because you're known by your family in a way that not many people may know you. You may act a certain way with family that you would never act with other people. You may let your guard down. You may loosen up. You may be a a jokester or a prankster or whatever it may be, but you kind of just relax. Why? Because you know that you belong. And we all have this desire on the inside of us. And this is what I want you to hear this morning is that Jesus came. And one of the reasons that he came to this earth was not just to be born. Now, it was necessary for him to be born. He, he needed to be a human just like we are. The book of Hebrews tells us this, is that he was uh, just as human, just as he had so many things that he had to face just like us. And yet the Bible says that he didn't give in, that he lived a spotless life so that ultimately he could be a sacrifice for us. Really, we call it the great exchange. Like that Jesus became what we are so that we could become all that he is. And that's really the story of Christmas. And because of this, this is what I need you to know and to hear this morning, is regardless of how and what your feelings may tell you is that God sees you. He sent Jesus to come and to to live his life so that we could truly know God. But there's another element to that. Jesus didn't solely come just so that we could know God, just so that we could be in relationship with him, not just so that we could go to heaven. Jesus came so that we could actually be known by God. Now, there's a big difference between just knowing him and and knowing that he knows me. In other words, that I'm important to him, that you're important to him, that he's paying attention to you and to your life and what concerns you actually concerns him. 
There's a, that, that's a huge difference. And, and part of what I can tell you is that I, I know that when God, when we experience things and we go to God, the Bible says that he pays attention. It says that his ear would not be deaf and that his arm would not be short to what? To help us in our time of need. God helped us in the person of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus did what we could not do for ourselves, And ultimately, Jesus came so that we would what? Have a place to belong. See, I, I know that, and, and many times we can quote these things and, and we can say it in scripture and maybe intellectually, mentally, we know these things. It's like that the Bible tells us that God knows the number of hairs on our head. That's pretty detailed. I mean, that number changes all the time. I'm amazed at how much hair my wife loses and still has hair on her head. It's amazing to me. And God knows everyone that falls out and goes down the drain or clogs up the drain more accurately. <laughs> Any other men have a, have a similar experience to that? And, uh, you know, I mean, and yet the Bible tells me that God knows the very hairs on my head. He knows my eye color. He knows your eye color. He knows your fingerprint. As a matter of fact, he made it unique to you. And there's no one else on the planet who has the same fingerprint or even the same eye um, structure that you do. It's completely unique to you. No one else in the world is like you. And the Bible says that we were created by God for his pleasure. See, some of you need to hear that today. You were created for God's pleasure because when he looks at you, he has a special love for you because there's no one else like you. He created you for his good pleasure and for his good works. Not only that, he knows every detail of your life and not like in a angry, mad kind of way. Let me give you a scripture that explains this. And it comes out of Psalms 37 verse 4. It gives us some instructions, but it says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires and the petitions of your heart. Now, how can he give you the desire of your heart if he doesn't know you? He actually knows the thing that will fulfill you more than we even know that. Those, you know, there's been times in my life where God has blessed me with something that I had never told anybody. It was just a little desire. I'll give you an example of this. This was many years ago, but it was, I don't know what time of the year it was, but me and Derek were youth pastoring and me and Derek had probably been married for 10, 12 years, dated four years before that at the time, something like that. And, uh, so we had been dating and been in a relationship. I mean, I think I know Dara, you know, at this point, I'm like, what's there not to know? And, uh, but this girl had brought her a bracelet, a particular type of bracelet. And so, you know, and Dara was like blown away by it. Cause it was like, oh man, this is a really nice bracelet and all these things. And then she made the statement to me. She said, I've always wanted one of these. And I thought, how did I not know that? I've been with you like we've been married. I mean, like we've done all these amazing things together and all this stuff. And all I needed to do was to get you this little bracelet. I missed the boat on that one. She had never told me and she'd actually wanted it since she was like a teenager. And I had no idea. And yet, and so we all have things like that. These desires. And it's not just for material things. Sometimes there's just desires in our own heart. 
that we can't even put words to. And God says, I know those. And if you'll delight yourself in me, in other words, if you'll come into relationship with me, I can give you the desires of your heart. Because the, the, the realities of this is, is that if we will delight ourselves in the Lord, guess what? Our desires and his desires become the same thing anyways. But we're not robots. I mean, we're not just going through motions. God knows you and he wants you to know that you are known. That you aren't just another human on the span of the cosmos that is just existing. Is that God knows you intimately. He knows you very personally. He created you for a purpose, for his purpose, for his pleasure. And you are known. And it's not just that he knows. He wants you to know that you are known. Because there's something special that happens when you know that you are the apple of somebody's eye. Something happens, I mean, you know, when you fall in love, right? Why? Because there's that moment of all of a sudden, somebody loves me. Somebody cherishes, like I'm important to somebody. And every human being longs to know that. It's universal. Whether we acknowledge it, whether we don't, we all have a desire to be known. You know, I've shared this before, but as I was preparing this message, I was thinking back into my growing up life. And I can remember both of my parents but uh, doing this, but I specifically remember it with my dad. And he would, you know, he would call me things, you know, good things, not bad things. But he would say things to me, and, but he had this affectionate name for me, which was my boy. And he would, you know, I can remember as a child or as a, even a young teenager, when I'm like, stop it, stop it, stop it. And he'd be like, come here, you're my boy, you're my boy. And even though I was saying, stop it, stop it, there was a part of me that liked it. Why? Because I wasn't just a boy. I was his boy. And he wasn't just my dad. We weren't just in a distant relationship. I was his and he identified me as this. If you think this actually isn't that important, you think it's just like a cute part of a message. It was so important that God spoke from heaven to say that Jesus was my son in whom I am well pleased. It's the power of identity and ultimately it's the identity of where I belong and the connection of where I belong. And even Jesus himself needed to hear that. And and so when we're talking about belonging, it's important that we understand not just that we belong, but who we belong to. That we can be known, that we do belong, that we have a place to come back to. and, And it's not just the physical realm. I mean, I realize many of you right now are in the process of either rebuilding Or maybe even looking for a new home. But how many of you realize that our hope and our trust and even our security is not wrapped up in a physical structure? It's just not. Things can be rebuilt. And they will be rebuilt. But even in the midst of all that we're walking through right now, do you know that you can actually have security in your heart? 
that you can actually have a place to belong to, a place that your, that your soul and your heart are actually comforted, a place that you go to in moments where you need to get away for a moment. We have one of these places. But you have to realize and you have to know that, that God sees you, that God knows you. That he's intimately involved with your day-to-day life. I believe one of the greatest shocks when we get to heaven is that we will see what all God did in the background of our life that we had no idea about. Is that he was working and, and, and bringing things about that we never saw. And we just thought, well, I just thought that just happened. I thought that person was just being nice to me. I just thought this. I just thought, man, you were in that moment and I had no idea. And it's because God was working in the background of our life all the time. I came across a quote this week, as many of you know, I love quotes. And so I find them and I write them down. But I, I came across this one and I liked it. It says that the greatest happiness is to be convinced that we are loved. The greatest happiness in life is to be convinced, not to assume, but to be convinced that I am loved. And the truth is, is that we can have absolute confidence. We can be thoroughly convinced that God loves us. Why? John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We know that God loves us because Jesus came. Romans tells us that if God didn't spare Jesus, how much more will he not give us all things? What are all things? What do you need? When you love somebody, you do things for them that you may not do for everybody else, right? About 1.30 this morning, I got up out of bed to go console my daughter <laughs> for two reasons. I was awake. And number two was because I didn't want Dare to get up. So that's the reason that I went and comforted my daughter for a minute. Roll over, tuck you back in, go back to sleep. But you'll do things, you'll sacrifice things for somebody that you love. You'll make extra effort for somebody that you love. Well, how many of you realize that God would do the same for you? God will go over the top and and beyond what we may seem or deem necessary. Why? Because he loves us. Because we are known by him. The Bible actually says that Jesus can actually feel what we feel. When we struggle, guess what? He knows it. Because he's not removed. He, the Bible says that he's Emmanuel. He's, he's God with us. He's the God who's come close to us. This is the God that we serve. See, we, we can look and have an understanding that God is God. And yes, that's important. And that's uh, imp- we get that. And yes, he's God. And yes, he's Savior. And yes, he's Father. But you equally need to know that you are his like you, 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 you belong with him and in him as the Bible says. Why? Because that's the place where you will really begin to understand who you are. Is that we are not just servants. See, we can think, well, I'm just doing what I'm trying the best that I can to be good, to be nice, to be who God wants me to be. I'm really trying to be a good Christian. Yeah, but if, you're, if you have the mindset of a servant, you're missing the whole point of Jesus coming. Jesus didn't come for you to be a servant. 
Jesus came so that you could be a son or a daughter. There's a big difference. You know, I'm thoroughly convinced that any tool that my dad owns belongs to me. My dad's got a trailer. I have a trailer. My dad's got a gun. I've got a gun. Like anything he has. Why? Because I'm not a servant. I'm a son. If he's got it, might as well be mine. I at least do ask permission most of the time. I just returned a trailer that I've had for 10 years. And when I go home at Christmas, it's coming back with me. He had it for a month. He doesn't need it. Right? Why? Because I'm his son. And he's okay with it. I'm not stealing it, but... He has plenty. He's not at a loss for trailers. But no, I understand that what? That I'm his son. And when I understand that I'm God's son, when you understand that you are not just a servant in the house, you've been invited in the house. You've been invited to the table. That you have a a place that God has prepared for you. And what? It's your seat. It's not somebody else's seat that happens to be empty that he says, hey, you can sit here. No, it was the seat for you to sit in. It's the seat that you belong in. It's the relationship that God wants to have with every single one of us. You know, in Galatians chapter 4, I'm going to read four verses here. Starting in verse 3. And this really contrasts kind of what I'm talking about, about the difference between a servant and a son, but it also explains why Jesus came. And it says that when we were juveniles, he says, we were enslaved under the hostile spirits of this world. In other words, before Jesus came, you didn't have much choice what you were going to do. You were just going to live by this life and and by the, the dictates of this life. It says, but when that era came to an end, The time of fulfillment had come. You know, Jesus came at a very specific time in history. It wasn't by chance. As a matter of fact, God had predicted it and had said with great accuracy. I've shared this before. There were 300 prophecies. In other words, God said 300 times before Jesus was born, different um, traits or different uh, aspects of when he would be born, who he would be born to, where he would go, all of these things, all the way down to uh, Herod trying to kill him, to them escaping to Egypt, to him coming back. There's over 300 times in the Old Testament that God talked about the birth of Christ alone. 300. Just about when Jesus was born, it wasn't by accident. It was very targeted. And here it says, when the time of fulfillment had come, when God said now, it's, how many of you know it's now? Like there's no changing God's now. And he said, now is the time. And he said, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the written law. So the 10 commandments, you know, the 10 thou shalt nots. He said, Jesus was born during that time. He said, yet all of this, was so that he would redeem and set free all those held hostage to the written law so that we would receive our freedom and a full legal adoption as children. Jesus came so that what? We wouldn't just be somebody that Jesus died for. No, we became a very integral part of the family. 
You know, I don't know if this is true in every state, but did you know that an adopted child cannot be written out of a will? In most states, I can't say it's in all, but many, many, many states, that's true. A birth child can be written out of the will and left out. An adopted child cannot. And think about this. You've been adopted into the family of God. That you have a place to now be known and to know God and to have fellowship with him. The scripture goes on and it says, and so that we would know for sure that we are his true children. God has released the spirit of sonship into our hearts. In other words, the confirmation that I belong to God. He says, I'll confirm it in your heart. You don't have to wonder if you actually belong to God. He will confirm it in our hearts. And it says that it will move us to cry out ultimately, my father, you are my true father. He says, now we are no longer living like slaves or servants under the law, but we enjoy being. We enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. And because we are his, we can access everything our father has for us. For we are heirs of God through Christ Jesus. When the Bible here and it says heirs in this translation actually means co-heirs. What that really means for us is that everything that Jesus has right now is actually available to us. Why? Because we're co-heirs. I have just as much access to everything that God has as Jesus does. So do you. I'll give you another biblical example of this. Think about the story of the prodigal son, right? Many of you know the story. The Bible says that he, he runs away Blows his inheritance, comes to himself, comes home and says, dad, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I'm just your servant. And the dad, this is the David translation. The dad goes, shut up. You're not a servant. You're my son. Get the robe, get the ring. What was that? It was identity and authority. That ring was like a credit line. It gave him the ability to buy and sell on behalf of the family. And he says, you're not a servant because the son came back and said, well, you know, I just, I just, I, dad, I've, I've royally screwed up and I don't deserve to be in the house. And the dad says, no, you belong to me. You are mine and you're not going to just be a servant. You have a place in the family and it's not based on what you've done or what you haven't done. It has to do with who you are and who you belong to and who you're known by. See, this is the beauty of Christmas. This is what is so wonderful is that Christmas has nothing to do with us. And it has everything to do with Jesus. It has everything to do with what he has done and what he has accomplished for us so that we can now live this life differently than we would without him. And it is infinitely better. See, the reality is that Jesus gives us hope over our past. Just as the prodigal son, he came back with one thing in mind. And yet his father, which is a beautiful picture of God and us. The father says, I will give you hope beyond your past. I know you think you're just a servant, but you're my son. So Jesus, what gives us hope over our past. And we all have past. We all have things that we would rather not disclose. We'd rather not talk about. But you know what? That's part of our testimony too. And we shouldn't be embarrassed of what Jesus has saved us from. 
Because it's a glorious story of the grace and the goodness and the faithfulness of a loving father who came for his child. So there actually is hope, no matter how bad your history may be, God will rewrite history in your heart and in your life. So Jesus gives us hope over our past. Jesus gives us hope in our present. No matter what we are facing, no matter what may be going on in our life, what we can have confidence that God is for us, that God is with us, that God will be with us, and God will continue to walk with us moving forward. So he gives us what? Hope over the past. He gives us hope in the future or in the present, and he will give us hope for our future. Why? Because when this life is over, it's not the end. He's created a home for me to go to. He told the disciples this. They're like, Jesus, why do you have to go? And he says, I need to go and prepare a place for you to come. And he begins to, you know, you hear this many times at funerals, right? Is it where I go, there are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would not tell you. How many of you know the scriptures I'm talking about? That's more than just figurative. Jesus, what? Wanted to create a space and a place for us in heaven to dwell eternally. In the presence of God. So we have a place to belong even after this life. It's so important that we understand these things. Because this is the meaning of Christmas. It is the reason that Jesus came. And it's not just so that one day I will belong to God. No, I belong to him right now. You belong to him right now. And just as much as I want a place to go and to be comfortable and I want a place to be secure in, that's him. If if I look to this life for security, it will be fleeting always. I have a place to belong. I have a place to be known as you do in a very powerful personal way. Now, regardless of my circumstances, you see this throughout scripture. You go read how the early church was persecuted And many of them would never renounce their faith, even in the face of death. Why? Because they had an understanding of who they were serving. Christmas was more than just a baby in a manger and some sweet little songs. There was reality. There was was real proof in their life that even facing death, they would say, I'm not going to renounce my faith. I'm not going to step back from who who I know God to be and, and that I am his. And that God would be working. See, the good news for all of us is that Jesus didn't come for people just like us. He came for everybody. I mean, people can be written off by other people. God never writes anybody off. The same grace that saved me is the same grace that can save anybody. That grace that's worked in you is enough for everybody else too. Why? Because there's a place for us to belong. There's a place for us to be in relationship with God. Jesus came for that purpose alone. I mean, yes, there were many other things. He came to heal the sick. He came to deliver people who were oppressed and bound by the devil. He came to do all, but ultimately, he came to bring us back into relationship. To give us access so that we could be known. And I don't have to wonder who I belong to. Does anybody see me? Does anybody know me? My father does. 
And it doesn't matter your natural parents or or your relationship with them. Because we project onto God our relationship from our natural parents, good or bad. But I'm here to tell you that you have a loving father who deeply cares about you. So much to the point that he sent Jesus to come to ultimately die for you, to die for me. That is the story of Christmas. Is that God didn't spare his absolute best for you. I mean, I'm sure there were lots of ways that God could have purchased our redemption. But the Bible says that he sent Jesus heaven's best for us. I mean, Jesus was perfect because God knew that we never could be. And as much as I would love to be perfect and I would love to say I've just got everything covered, I'm flawed, just like all of you. That's why we need a Savior. If I could be perfect, why did Jesus come? But that's not the truth. But the good news is that the grace of God, when we will cooperate with it, will work in our life. And it will help us to overcome things that we could never overcome in and of ourselves. That's the beauty of the story of Christmas. And in the end, it's a place to be known. It's a place to belong. It's a place to come to. You know, over the last couple of weeks, I've shared with you different attributes. Last week, we talked about a place to just recover and recharge. And, you know, week one, we talked about just a place to be accepted. Hey, you just drop your guard. Just be you. Let me just help you. God already knows who you are. You're not hiding anything. But even in in spite of ourselves, God says, I still love you. You were still created for my pleasure. You were still created for my delight. And I see you as an individual that I love, that I've paid the price for, that I have a tremendous plan for. This is Christmas. This is why we celebrate. It's a great time to remember and to know that God is still working. God is still moving forward. Can I pray over you this morning as we close up service today? Father God, I-